0: Hello and welcome back to the TTL, to Tani Talks Life, brought to you by the Tani Talks Podcast. This is the show where we talk a topic per session with some practical lessons. Tonight's topic is a mitzvah's effect or the effect of a mitzvah. All of my podcasts of the TTP, the Tani Talks Parsha, the TTPA, Tani Talks Procurables, TTD, the Tani Talks Staff, TTO, Tani Talks Occupational Therapy, and this live show are hosted by JewishPodcast.fm. Come join us on this amazing platform, JewishPodcast.fm, super easy. The shows are also on different podcast forums, including iTunes Podcast, Google Podcast, and Jewish Podcast sister app of Yidpod, the Jewish Podcast app service. Download on the App Store today. We're also on SheerEnjoyment.com. Again, we are working on Sheer Enjoyment Radio, and we are Working on an app as well for iPhone and Android. Stay tuned for that for our bi-weekly shiurim and hopefully a weekly slot as well for a couple of different people. Sheer Enjoyment Radio, we are working on that currently. Support and follow the Tani Talks podcast. The Chesed 1S slash Tani Chesed Fund 2S slash the Tani Talks podcast. Join us in the future where we go bigger, better, and do more with your support and your help. As a side note, a great way to hear podcasts, including the new dedicated channel for the Tani Talks podcast, is on the Kosher Clean Internet Jewish Radio of com. 9 Key Radio is a wonderful innovation. They have three different products. They have the Solo with one speaker. They have the Duo with two speakers. And they have the Home with three speakers and a remote. I love their devices. We originally had one, and then we switched to the Solo thanks to the company. And then we actually just switched to the Home with the remote. I love this product. It's probably one of my favorite products in our entire house. Not just because we have the channel for the five shows, the Tiny Talks Podcast. Not just because it's a radio, but because it's a Jewish internet radio where everything comes in one device. So cool. So awesome. So cool. So join us on nakiradio.com. Get yours today at that website. Big news, the Parsha Show, Tiny Talks Parsha, the TTP, is now hosted also by the Nacham Siegel Network on Thursday nights at 10 p.m. on nachamsiegel.com or the NSN app. This year should be for the refund issue of anyone who wants and needs. And of course, I'm reachable at maximumtee at yahoo.com. Do you ever wonder what happens when you do a mitzvah? Is there ever a really good feeling you get when you do a mitzvah? Sometimes we get a great feeling overall from doing a great mitzvah. Indeed, the effect permeates the being, empowers us, and makes us feel like we could do anything. It makes us want to do more mitzvahs and do more good in the world, hopefully. And if we don't feel that way, we should strive to have such a feeling within ourselves. The question is, how can we go about feeling that we want to do more mitzvahs? How can we go about feeling that we want to be involved more, that we want to make sure That we are involved with the world, we're doing more for the world, and we're being involved more in the world, little by little by little by little. We want to make sure that we have our effect on the world, and that we are connecting with the world, and we're doing good for the world. So how can we do more? How can we incorporate the ability to keep going about and doing more in the world, accomplishing more in the world, and making our effect in the world little by little by little. How can we do so? What can we do in the world? So the key to focus on for tonight's episode, the key to focus on for tonight's lecture is a wonderful, wonderful Mishnah from Pirkei Alvis. We talked about it a couple weeks ago on the TTP, on Tani Talks, P.A., on the Tani Talks Pirkei Ovis, the TTP, and Parag mission Mishnah Ben. In Chapter 4, Paragraph 2, we see a very interesting ma- mantra. Ben-Azai Omer. Ben-Azai says, You should run, you should be quick in performing a minor commandment, whatever that means, quote-unquote minor commandment, like a major one, like a, a stringent one, like a large one. u flee from transgression. Shem mitzvah goraris mitzvah, for one commandment leads to another commandment. Via vera one transgression leads to another transgression. mitzvah mitzvah, because the reward of a commandment for performing a commandment is another commandment. Ushara vera avera, the reward for committing a transgression is a transgression. Now mind you, we don't know the reward for mitzvahs, we don't know the reward for doing a small mitzvah. Versus a large mitzvah. We don't know what the difference is. We don't know what it means. And we don't know how it goes about it. Because you think about something like Shiloh Haken, You think about something like Kivar the aim, The two mitzvahs are vastly different. One of them is much, much more different than the other one. But they both promise, as Hashem's words in the Torah, long life. In fact, Elisha Benavuya, who we, who we talked about earlier today in the TTPA. He himself saw someone, a kid, climbing up a tree. Listening to his dad. Sending away the mother bird, which is something that is promised to have long life, something that is promised to give a person long life, and yet this child still fell off the tree and passed away. How could it be that two mitzvahs that require that give and promise long life, that give and promise reward of a long life, how could it be that this child passed and Alicia Benaboy couldn't do it? And he turned off the derach, he went off the derach. Other people say he was in the parties with three other sages and couldn't take what was there in this mystical, metaphorical type of a garden. But in any way, in any case, you have one minor commandment. Sending away the mother bird is not so difficult. But taking care of parents is much more difficult, much more overwhelming than taking care of of the bird. Yet they both promise the same reward they both promise long life how could it be the two different mitzvahs vastly different mitzvahs that have many different aspects one much more strong than the other one one much more difficult than the other one how could it be that they give the same reward because we don't know the difference and the reason why one gives one thing why one promises one thing but in general we think about the fact that Hashem knows what He's doing but He's not going to Tell us outright, but when we do a commandment, when we do a mitzvah, it leads to another one. The reward for performing a commandment is another commandment. The reward for committing a transgression is another transgression. Be quick in performing them. If you go about doing them and you lead lead your life and lead yourself in such a way that you could allow yourself to be involved in such a life, to be involved in such a way, then it could be that we are... Involved in a good type of a life. In fact, the Bartenura talks about this and talks about this mitzvah, about commandment, mitzvah going to another mitzvah. The reward of a mitzvah is another mitzvah. Someone who's involved in a mitzvah does another mitzvah. Who, who does mitzvahs and is involved in mitzvahs. The reward itself is doing more mitzvahs, being involved in more mitzvahs. It's rewarded in of itself just to do mitzvahs. So the bartender points out in Perkei since one commandment leads to another commandment, that is the way of the world, that one who does one commandment finds it easier to do others, and one who starts to do sins will find it difficult to separate from them. Also, since the reward for a commandment is another commandment, meaning it is from heavens that the one who does one commandment is helped and another commandment is placed in front of him to also do so, in order to give him the reward for both of them. So to the reward of a sin, etc. Another explanation, since the reward of a commandment, for a commandment is another commandment, since all that a person is rewarded and derives enjoyment while doing a commandment is itself considered a commandment for him. So he gets reward for the commandment that he did and for the enjoyment and benefit that he experienced in doing it. So the mitzvah itself leads to the reward. A commandment leads to another commandment, and that should be, How our life is lived. That we want to do more mitzvahs. We want to be involved in more mitzvahs. Making sure that we are incorporating ourselves in a life full of mitzvahs. That's how we want to be in order to be involved. The bartender also points out. The reward for one sin is another sin. The reward and benefit that one derives from doing a sin is considered like a sin itself for him. So he is punished for the sin that he committed for the reward and benefit that he received by doing it. So when we want to think about our life, we want to focus on the good. What can we do to be beneficial in this world, to benefit others in this world, to help out others in this world? Ben-Azai also says in paragraphs, We should be quick in performing a minor commandment, as in the case of a major one, and fleeing from the transgression. A person should be as careful in the performance of what seems in his eyes to be minor commandments, as the Mishnah said, as he is in the performance of what seems in his eyes to be major commandments. Likewise, a person should distance himself from transgression, even a transgression that does not seem to be so serious. And the English explanation that Perkyophus points out further, one commandment leads to another commandment. Transgression leads to another transgression. This is the first reason why one should be scrupulous in the performance of even minor commandments. The performance of one commandment awakens a person to perform other commandments as well. I think we could compare the statement the explanation points out to exercise and healthy eating habits. A person who begins to physically exercise his body, well, naturally want to exercise more, to eat healthy, and to stop bad habits such as smoking. One good thing he does for his body will lead to another good thing. So too with the negative side. If a person does not exercise, chances are he will also eat poorly. The worse he eats, the less he will want to exercise, and he will deteriorate in a cycle. So too with commandments, the spiritual equivalent to exercise. The more a person performs the commandments... The more spiritually awake his soul will be, the more he will want to perform more commandments. However, the more a person transgresses, the more spiritually dead he will progressively continue to be, and he will continue in the downward spiral of sin. So a person should make himself be attuned to spirituality, attuned to doing goodness, attuned to making sure that he will be involved in the right aspects Be sure that he will doing the right things, that he's involved in the right things. Make sure you're involved in Chesed. Make sure you're involved in Torah and in mitzvahs and in Torah learning. Make sure you're able to help out those around you. Every mitzvah you do can spiritually attain yourself and attune yourself to help out more people around you, to do good for more people around you. But if you start a negative cycle, a negative habit, it's only going to tumble towards more negative and more negative and more negative. We want to make sure that we're involved in the positive in doing good things. The Iker what Yom Tov points out on Perkhayavos, on this Mishnah, one sin, since God, may he be blessed, leaves him to his evil nature, but not that he is helped from heaven to do more sins, it's God forbid, as was written by Rabbi Bartaduro concerning the reward of a commandment, as we say in Gemara Yuma 38. One who comes to purify himself, he is helped by God. One who comes to defile himself, The way is made open for him. The way a person wants to go, the path they want to go, unfortunately, is going to be laid out for them. So hopefully it's a good path. Hopefully it's a healthy path. Hopefully it's a happy path. Hopefully it's a Torah path. I apologize for yawning so much. Baby has not been sleeping so much so well these past few days. Keep waking me up at 3, 4 a.m. Apologize for that. She's also keeping me company over here next to me. I keep checking to make sure she's okay. But in general, when we think about how the life should go, we got to purify ourselves. We should make sure not to defile ourselves. We should make sure that the way is made open for himself through Torah, through mitzvahs through chesed, through doing good in the world. Rabbi himself says on this mission Mishnah, when ben says, run to do an easy commandment. They already said a reason for this thing. For you do not know the reward given for the fulfillment of the respective commandments. From Avos one. we mentioned that before. Now Ben-Azai adds another reason and says, run to do an easy commandment. Flee from sin, since the commandment leads to another commandment, as this is a natural commandment propensity as when a man does a small commandment once he draws closer to god and accustoms his spirit to his service and it becomes easier in his eyes to do another commandment that requires the same effort as the first one or a little more as he is already accustomed to the performance of a commandment when he does a second for a third and a third even if it is much more effort than the first ones he will do it quick quickly since the habit already steers him greatly, this occurs until it steers him very much and we completely do all of the commandments. So when we do a commandment, when we do a mitzvah, the effect is that it becomes easier to do a, another mitzvah. We fine-tune our spirituality, we fine-tune our soul, our neshama, to want to do more, to try to do more, to be involved in Pushing ourselves to be involved in doing more. How can we do more in this world? How can we accomplish more in this world? How could it be that we go on to do bigger and better things? We have to make sure that we're involving ourselves in mitzvahs. When you do your mitzvahs, when you do a mitzvah, you do a chesed, it allows you to become doing more and more and more. It steers him in the direction to do more. So a person that wants to have a good life, a person that wants to be involved in an accomplishing life, has to be involved in the mitzvahs. And mitzvah, Gerrera's mitzvah, one mitzvah pushes another one, one mitzvah brings to another one, one mitzvah allows another one, each mitzvah pushes another one. Pushes another one down the road to make sure that your day is full of mitzvahs. Rabin Yona also points out on on the Mishnah, a sin leads to another sin. This too is natural. Since he has done one sin and distanced himself from the service of God, which is what happens when a person sins, distancing himself, the service of God, may he be blessed, is what we should be doing. When another sin comes to his hand, even if the impulse does not have a desire for it like the first time, he will do it as his spirit is accessible to his impulse and it pushes upon him. Even if his desire is not great in the matter, he will do all of the sins, as his nature is used to doing every abomination toward God that he hates. As it is stated in Devarim, Perik, Lamed, Ubaharta Bechayim, you shall choose life. And since he has chosen a path, if he is going in the good, God is with him. And so if he does one commandment, it helps him to do another commandment, as on his own. He doesn't even have the ability to do good. And about this it says, since the reward for a commandment is another commandment, and the reward for sin is another sin, and not God forbid that this is his reward. As if so, what reward does he actually have? And the thing is not like this, as his reward exists for the world to come. But rather he wants to say that the fruit of doing a commandment is doing another commandment. And he eats its fruit in this world, which is what? That it helps him to do other commandments. And it comes out that the principle expands and it exists in the world to come. And this is what is stated in Yeshia, Paragimel. Hail the just man, for he is good. They shall eat the fruit of their works. If he chose death and he chose evil and did a sin, the Holy One, blessed is he, distances himself from him and leaves him and gives him over to his evil nature. This is the fruit that comes out of the sin, that he is left to do another sin. He does not have the ability to veer from this path as a man's path is not his own once he has already chosen his path. This is what is stated in Yeshaya. Woe to the evil, wicked man, as his hands have dealt, so shall it be done to him. And about this, the rabbis, may their memory be blessed, said in Yuma 38 be One who comes to purify himself is hell. So, One who comes to defile himself is given openings. So that is to say, if he comes to defile himself, he is not helped, but has many openings in which to enter and do evil, as he is left to do what is good in his own eyes. So we want to make sure to do what is good in our eyes and good in the eyes of Hashem. Doing the mitzvahs, having a mitzvah filled life has a good effect on us. The effect of the mitzvah, the mitzvah's effect is that it has a good aspect to our life. It changes our life around It makes us want to do more. It makes us want to do good and make us have a life full of good. And then maybe we will come to purify ourselves and make ourselves go down a good path with many openings, which to enter and do good, good in the own eyes of ourselves and in the eyes of those around us and in the eyes of Hashem as well. The Rambam points out on this mission of Pirkeiolis, it is stated in Devarimah, then Moshe separated three cities in the Transjordan and Abraha Yardane, etc., while knowing that they would not be effective, why would Moshe separate three Ari three cities of refuge for someone who kills accidentally to run to so they won't be destroyed and they're protected, Why would someone run to these cities if they why would Moshe set up these cities, rather, excuse me, if they're not going to be effective until the time of Yehoshua ben Nun, when they come around and the other three are are set. So why would he set aside these mitzvahs, knowing they would not be effective, as they would not have the status of cities of refuge until the three others in the land of Israel would be separated by Yehoshua ben Nun years later? They said in Gemara Machos 10a, Our teacher Moshe, Allah B'Shalom, peace be upon him, knew that these three cities in Eber HaYardin do not... Shelter until the three cities in the land of Israel would be separated. As it is stated in Bamidbar, Lamed Hey. they shall be six cities of refuge. And he separated these nonetheless. Since he said, since a commandment has come to my hand, I will perform it. Mitzvah Baliadi. It's, uh, my Hebrew, my conjugation, my verbiage is terrible. But the concept is mitzvah baliyah, don't oseh. You know, if a mitzvah comes to your hand, let it be done. That's the idea we'll look at later in a little bit in an in a article also. You have the idea to do a mitzvah, don't let it become chametz. we just had Pesach. So when you have the idea, the ability to be doing a mitzvah, don't let it become chametz, don't let it be lost, don't let it be... That we're losing out on it, God forbid. We want to make sure we're involved in the mitzvahs. We want to make sure the mitzvahs are being affected and helped out. We want to make sure that they are done, uh, that they are not lost. Why would it be that we could lose such a mitzvah, God forbid? We have to make sure... To do the mitzvah. Let it come to your hand. If a mitzvah comes to your hand, don't let it become chamis. Don't let it become lost. Because mitzvahs can be written as matzos and it can be written as mitzvahs. So when it says, be careful that the matzah shouldn't become leavened, the sages homiletically learned out, be careful that mitzvahs shouldn't be leavened, that mitzvahs should not be lost out, that you shouldn't lose the opportunity to do a mitzvah, God forbid. Make sure to do the mitzvah. Make sure to do what it comes to your hand. Don't let it be lost. As Moshe Rabbeinu separated the three cities of refuge, even though they wouldn't become effective until years later, when Yeshua Benun set aside the other three cities, make sure if a mitzvah comes to your hand, the effect should be in your life that it is done right away. It shouldn't be lost, and it shouldn't be gone to the side of the road or to the side of your life. Make sure that you do it. Baliyadi, mitzvah Baliyadi, do it. Don't lose out. Don't let it become Hamits as we just had Pesach. Don't let it be lost to the leaven of your life. The Tzalzvos Yamtov point out on this mission of Perkeovos the reward of a sin is sin. God leaves him in the hand of his evil nature, in the hands of his Yetzirah. But God will not aid him in sinning the way that Rav writes. He would aid someone in performing a commandment. As the Talmud says, one who wishes to purify himself receives God's aid. One who wishes to become impure receives his permission. mitahar oso. And that's not the verbiage either, but that's the general idea. Someone who wants to be purified. Someone who wishes to purify himself, God will will help him, receives God's aid. One who wishes to become impure receives his permission. So if you want to become, become pure, you want to become involved in these in these good things, involved in these mitzvahs, go down the road, go down the path, make sure that you put yourself in the trajectory of doing the mitzvahs, of doing the good deeds, of doing the chesed, of being involved. Hashem will make sure that you're involved, Hashem will make sure you're on the right path, you keep going, you keep going, Hashem will make sure that you are on the right path, but you have to make sure that in the beginning you want to go on the right path, that you want to be purified, Hashem will make sure that you will get purified, that you'll make sure you go on the right path down the road. Kedushin 39b points out in the Mishnah, anyone who performs one mitzvah has goodness bestowed upon him. His life is lengthened, and he inherits the land. That's one mitzvah. Hashem gives us 613 mitzvahs. Why does Hashem give us so many mitzvahs? You ever wonder why? You know, the non-Jews, the Noachides, if you're a Noahide, if you do the Sheva mitzvahs, they have seven mitzvahs, seven commandments. Some people say it's seven categories. Some people say it's seven overarching themes. But regardless, it's still not 613. Why does Hashem give us so many? Like we say in Perke Avos, Rabbi Hananaben Kashomer, Rotzakach Baruch, Hulizakos, Es Yisrael, Hir Balaim Torah Mitzvah Shemar, Hashem Chavez, Laman Sukko, Yagdotoravi, Hashem wanted to bestow goodness upon us. He wanted to give us merit. He gave us so many mitzvahs, so many opportunities to get merits, to get diamonds, and to take them with us after 120 years. He wanted the Jewish people to be made great and glorious, to be made wonderful and profound. By giving us 613 opportunities, 613 chances to do good in the world, and of course, many mitzvahs so many subcategories and sub-aspects and technical parts to them, Because there are different mitzvahs that apply and appeal to different people. This guy might be a very halacha-oriented person. This person might be very daf-oriented. This person might be tanach-oriented. This person might be very into chesed. This person might be very into giving shiram. This person might be very into writing. There's always something that someone could contribute. There's always some mitzvah someone can do. I don't like to cook, this person might think, so I'm going to give away clothing. I don't like to give away clothing, but I love books. A person can figure out what they could do. I, myself, am a big fan of doing all those things, giving away clothing, giving away books giving away food, cooking and baking for people. That's for me. I'm very into the chesed idea. But some people might be much more a base measures kind of a person. Some people might be more a rabbi kind of a person. Some people might be much more into learning about different things. There are 613 ways. The effect of the mitzvah on a person. There are so many ways to connect to Hashem. To get close to Hashem. We're going to talk about this in the Tani Talks Parsha. This week, God willing... When, when you want to connect to Hashem, you want to get close to Hashem, you have to emulate Hashem. This week's Parsha Nadim and Avi who died because they brought a carbon that wasn't warranted or wasn't brought in the right warranted way. Some say they might have been inebriated with wine. Some say they did it at the, without asking for the permission from Moshe or Aaron. But in any case, you want to get close to Hashem. You have to make sure to do it in the right way. And how do we do that? By doing more mitzvahs and emulating Hashem's ways. There are 613 ways to inherit the land. To inherit the, the, the Nachla, the Yerusha of Olam Haba with Hashem standing at our sides. Anyone who does one mitzvah, even one mitzvah, his goodness upon him, his life is lengthening and he inherits the lands. And even the Talmud talks about even the most unlearned person is like a pomegranate full of seeds, full of mitzvahs. So if you crack him open, if you look inside, you would see so many mitzvahs done, so many mitzvahs accomplished, so many mitzvahs fulfilled, even though... The person might not be as learned as other people, might not be as involved as other people, as knowledgeable as other people. But here the Mishnah points out even that one Mishnah can have an effect on a person. That Mitzvah can have that changing effect, that changing aspect to the person. It might help them. It might change them. It might train them on the different way. His life is lengthened. He inherits the land, the life of the world to come. And paragraphs also teaches us at the beginning of each chapter. Call Yisrael Yeshem Chalek the Olam Haba. All of Israel has a share in the world to come. Every single person in the Jewish people has the ability to get a share in the world to come. you're all righteous, the you shall inherit the land forever. Like a branch of my planting, you're able to get the land. Because each of us have the ability to get the land. All we have to do is that one mitzvah, and another mitzvah, and another mitzvah, mitzvah, gore, mitzvah, one mitzvah leads to another, affects another, and is a domino effect of toppling the dominoes down to cause another mitzvah, another mitzvah, another mitzvah to happen to to the people and to ourselves. All we have to do is start with that one mitzvah. If you don't perform even one mitzvah, The Mishnah points out in Kenusha 39b, he does not have goodness bestowed upon him. His life is not lengthened and he does not inherit the land of the world to come. So in order to be involved in getting the land of the world to come, you have to do that mitzvah. You have to be involved in that mitzvah. You have to apply yourself to get those mitzvahs, to be involved in those mitzvahs. Make sure that you are accomplishing to get those mitzvahs. Make sure you're accomplishing to do those mitzvahs. Even one mitzvah, one mitzvah, can make all the difference. One mitzvah can really latch on to you and to your life and make your life all the different. You can inherit the land. Your life can be lengthened and you have goodness in your life by doing one mitzvah. That's the effect of a mitzvah. Hopefully it causes you to do many more mitzvahs. But the mitzvah itself changes yourself. You're not the same before and after doing the mitzvah. It has an effect on you. It has an effect on other people. It has an effect on the world around us. Doing a mitzvah, being involved in mitzvahs really can change the whole world, really can help the whole world. So all you have to do is start that mitzvah, and it can be a domino effect, toppling the dominoes one by one, the tiles one by one, until many, many, many dominoes are done, until many mitzvahs are accomplished. The Likud in Maharan, 33 points out, Because of the love with which Hashem loves Israel, and He wanted them to attach themselves to Him, and to love Him from this corporeal world, He clothed His godliness in the attributes of the Torah. This is the aspect of the 613 mitzvot. Hashem calculated in His das, knowledge, that by means of this or that, Involving ourselves in this type of mitzvah or that type of mitzvah, we would be able to comprehend him. Because of this, he contracted his godliness specifically in these 613 mitzvahs. The 613 commandments. Hashem decided that there are certain ways, there are certain aspects and certain capabilities in order to be able to connect ourselves to Hashem. He gave us 613 ways, paths, directions, rechavot, streets to get to him. You choose the street that applies to you. You choose the path, the the direction that applies to you, that works for you, that gets you to Hashem. Hashem knows that each of us have different things that connect to us, that do apply to us. Hashem knows that there are ways for us to connect to Him. Hashem knows that it's possible to connect in different ways, in different aspects, in different means. All you have to do is find the means that connects to you. All you have to do is be involved in the way that connects to you. Find your way and attach yourself to it. This Svarno points out in Devaram, Perik Vav, Vishamata Yisrael. When you have attained this purpose, which God had had in mind for you from the beginning in His great kindness, it is important that through performance and awareness you will appreciate the tremendous goodwill that Hashem has demonstrated by His legislating these commandments. Vishamarta LaSos Asher Yitav Lach. You will endeavor. Or lacha, to carry out all these tasks out of a feeling of love for God in order to be worthy of His goodwill, aware that He's interested in creating conditions which will make you merit a continued existence. If you involve yourself in a life that is full of mitzvahs, you involve yourself in a life that is full of Torah, Your continued existence is justified by Hashem. But if you live a life that is depraved, you live a life that is lacking in mitzvahs, you live a life that is devalued and has no purpose, what is your continued reason? What is your continued existence? What justification, Hashem, would God say this, what justification is there to you living your life? You sit there vegging and watching Netflix all day long, you sit there on the couch, you watch Hulu all day long, you sit there doing sudokus and crossword puzzles for 10 hours a day, is that what your existence is meaning, does that mean that you have continued worthy existence or can you find out how to attach yourself to one mitzvah today, one mitzvah tomorrow and build up from there. We don't want it to be a wasted life, God forbid. We don't want it to be a wasted hour or a wasted minutes or wasted days or wasted years, God forbid, or a wasted life. The biggest regret many people have when looking back is saying, Ah, oh, I wish I did more. Oh, I wish I did X, Y, or Z. I wish I I, I wish I, I wasn't married to my job and I got married and I had kids and I gave them attention. I had more kids and, and more taking care of people. I wish I did more chasad. I wish I did more mitzvahs. Nobody looks back after 120 years and says... You know, I really wish I worked more hours. You know, I really wish I I accumulated more thousands. I really wish I had a bigger house. I really wish I had more cars. No one ever says that. Looking back, most people say, I wish I spent more time working on myself, working on my midos, spending time with my family, doing more mitzvahs, doing more chesed, being involved with those around us. No one ever looks back materialistically saying, I wish I had more room in my house. I wish I had more grass in my yard. They look back, Spiritually and saying, I wish I did more with my time. Time went by so fast. Time was lost so fast. Make sure that your continued existence is justified. Make sure your continued existence has purpose and reason. Make sure that you spend your days involved in mitzvahs, and each mitzvah you do can have that effect on you, changing you for the better, making you want to do another mitzvah, another mitzvah, another good deed, another good deed, and then you have real continued justification for your existence. Emir Ad Shana. The Eben Ezra points out on Vayikra Yudchet, the reason that the Torah states, you shall therefore keep my statues and my ordinances in the Fifth postic is to make it clear that they are a source of life in both words, worlds to those who observe them. Kihim we say every night in Mar they are the source of our life and the length of our days. Being involved in mitzvahs and Torah, our, our reason to enter, or whatever the word is, how you say it in that other language, is the main creme de la creme of our existence, the main reason our, ex- our existence is serving Hashem and making the world a better place and working on ourselves, working on our bad traits, which is the hardest thing to work on our whole life. They say, Tov erech it is... Better to work on your anger, to work on your traits, than to build a city. Because Gibor hakovi shesitzro, a really strong person, Perkehavs points out in Daladala from Benazai, or Benzoma, I forget which one offhand, but they say which is the really strong person, the strong of will. Because it's it's all the rage to have muscles and build a city, but it's even more difficult, much more powerful. Much more strength of character and will is involved in working on oneself inside. The source of life is being involved in mitzvahs. And we say, We say that every Shabbos. It is the source of life. It is a tree of life for those who grab onto it. The Torah, the mitzvahs. Those are our main purposes. Those are the real source of life for ourselves. Being involved in a Torah lifestyle, a mitzvahs lifestyle. Rooted in the tree of life, rooted in the mitzvahs of life, rooted in the chesed of life. That is the source of life. That's what we should be keeping, the ordinances and the statues. That is the source of life for us in this world and in the world to come. So make sure to be involved in all of those mitzvos and all of those chesed opportunities every single day. And that's the effect that it could have on you and those around you. The Gemara points out in Shabbos 49a, the Gemara asks, what is different? About dove's wings from those of other birds that led Elisha to say that he had dove's wings in his hand. Elisha is talking about dove's wings at a certain point. The Gemara asks, Why doves? The Gemara answers, Because the congregation of Israel, the Bnei Israel, is likened to a dove. As it is stated, You shall shine as the wings of a dove, covered with silver and her pinions with yellow gold. That comes from Tehillim 68. Just as this dove, this bird, only its wings protect it, and it has no other means of protection. So, to the Jewish people, only mitzvahs protect them. Only. Protect them. You could get shields, you could get Sloman shield, you could have ADT or whatever but really the source of protection as we look to the mezuzah, we look at the maka around our house, the gates and the borders around our house, the only real protection is Hashem. That's why on Pesach night on Seder night, we don't say Shema or Kriya Shema, we don't say Shema in bed because we believe it's Lael Shimura. Hashem is protecting us Hashem is the one that is protecting us, Hashem is the one that is involved with us Hashem is the one that is taking care of us. This is the protection. It's from Hashem. Only the mitzvahs protect them. Because after 120 years, what comes with you? Not your materialism, not your house, not your car. Only the mitzvahs that you worked on. Only the chesed that you did. Only the Torah learning, the good name that you worked on for yourself. That's what comes for you with you after 120 years. No materialism comes. You come into this world the analogy is: if you look at a newborn, the baby comes into the world screaming, with the hands clenched fist, with clothes tight, 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 flailing and screaming, and 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 making their fists really tight. Why? Because the analogy is, the allegory is: they come into this world, they want to grab, they want to take, they want to do what they can. After 120 years, the person passes away, and they're hands unclenched their hands are open the palm is open they don't have the ability to take anything with them you leave this world and your hands are open to say i can't take anything with me materialistically i can't grab anything anymore the only thing i could take are my mitzvahs are my chesed are my torah learning are the good name that i worked on hopefully in this world that's what comes with you after 120 years that's what protects them that's what comes with you after 120 years, you come up and Hashem asks a couple of questions. Were you involved in business dealings honestly? Did you try to have children? Did you wait for Mashiach? Did you learn Torah every day? It doesn't say, did you set aside 18 hours a day? Did you set aside time every day, whether it's five minutes or an hour, whatever. And then it also comes and they also say, after 120 years, were you the best person you could have been? Were you the best time you could have been? But you could have done X, Y, or Z. You could have had all these shows. You could have had all these endeavors. You could have had all these things. Why didn't you do this? You could have wrote that book. You could have done this thing. It'll tell this person or that person. Each person has what they're supposed to do. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? After 120 years, the only thing that really protects us, that really stands up for us are our mitzvahs. They're going to ask you, were you measured up to be the best you could have been? They won't ask you why weren't you like Moshe. They won't ask you why weren't you like Aaron. Why couldn't you have been more of a Tani? Why couldn't you have been more of a Joe if your name is Joe? Why couldn't you be more of a Danielle if your name is Daniela? Why couldn't you do X, Y, or Z? They won't measure you up against other people. And then Hashem has the heavenly communal tribute stand trial. Everybody watches your life as if it's a video screen. Everyone from Moshe Rabbeinu to your grandfather to your great ancestor. Everyone watches you, hopefully, only good aspects. Because a person's supposed to do chuva every day and the day of their life and the sages say, Why do you do chuva? Why does it say you repent one day before you're dead? Nobody knows when they're gonna die, and then the sage s- students answer because every day he answers them, every day you should pretend as if it's your last, so that every day you will live in repentance. So if you do that and you say, Krishna meet you forgive everybody and hopefully Hashem forgives you, then after 120 years you come up, they show you the movie, and it shows all the good deeds and it shows the bad deeds, hopefully nothing embarrassing, hopefully only good things. Hopefully wonderful things and tactful things. But the court convenes. And who are the people that are there to advocate for you? Who are the people that are there to stand up for you, to defend you, to be a defendant to you? The mitzvahs are your defending lawyers. You have the prosecuting angels. These are the averas that you did in your life. You have the defending angels. These are the mitzvahs you did in your life. You hope They have many, many more defendants standing up for you in court than you have prosecutors. Can you imagine someone comes to a court case, God forbid, the neighbor is upset because they stole some yardage away, they bring them to court. He has 16 lawyers on his prosecuting table, but you only have one lawyer on your table. Do you think you would feel content? Do you think you'd feel safe in the knowledge that you have a good lawyer? But he has 10, 16 lawyers, and you only have one lawyer. After 120 years, how many lawyers will you have defending you? How many mitzvahs do you have standing up for you? What if you have thousands of averas being prosecuting angels, God forbid, but you only have some hundreds of angels defending you? You want to have many, many more defendants than prosecutors. And the way to do that is to have many, many, many more mitzvahs in your merit than averas. If you have 100 averas, you should have at least 101 mitzvahs to counteract that and to wipe them out. You want them to stand for you every day. So the way to go about that is to make sure you're involved in mitzvahs every single day, to make sure you have the mitzvah every day, starting with one and doing more and more and more. Once you do one mitzvah, mitzvah, gererah, mitzvah, another one comes, another one comes, hopefully standing up for you and standing watch for you and being your defendant. And it starts with one mitzvah every day to be protect you. And that's the mitzvah's effect in this world and in the next world as well. The Ebenezer points out in Vayukra 20, I gave you the statutes, Hashem said, to observe in order to sanctify you. Not only does it protect us, not only does it stand up for us after 120 years, but it also sanctifies us, it changes us, it makes us more spiritually refined. It's as if you take the soul, which starts off white but it becomes blackened and sullied over time, but each mitzvah can be like a magic eraser, like Mr. Clean Lahavdo, can erase another blotch, another blotch, another blotch, so that you have a lot more white than black on your garment after 120 years. The kid Ischag points out in 81, the Torah demands on repeated occasions we rid ourselves of negative virtues such as hatred, jealousy, and the like. Not only are we commanded do not hate your brother in your heart from Vayikram 19, but we are even commanded to physically assist Are enemies in loading and unloading the donkey? It points out in Shamos and B'Yikra throughout the Torah and Devarim. If you have two people on the road, you have your enemy, even though we shouldn't have enemies, we should have only people we like a little less, as my dad used to say. If you have someone you like very little, let's say, and you have someone you love very much, like a very, very good friend, who do you think you're supposed to help? The Torah tells us you have an enemy, Kaviachal or someone you like very little, and a friend on the way, who do you think you should help? Logic would say that you should help the friend, but Hashem doesn't go by logic alone. Hashem goes by what's best for your traits, for working on yourself, for working on ourselves. You're commanded to physically assist the enemy first. And unloading and unloading the donkey nowadays, that would be unloading and unloading a car, unloading and unloading packages from a knapsack or on a bicycle or motorcycle or the like. Should the occasion demand it, you have to help the enemy first. That mitzvah would be very difficult to do, but that's exactly the point, because the effect of the mitzvah is to refine yourself to refine your soul, to refine your being. It's no big deal to help your friend. You want to help your friend. You like your friend. You love your friend. You want the best for them. You want them to have an easy day, an easy task. Do you want to help your enemy? Do you want to help the person you like very little? Hashem knows that you don't want to, but it's better for you to help that person than to help your friend. You're going to help him anyway, your friend, but that other person you wouldn't help we are asked to lend or to give alms repeatedly to the same people even and to avoid doing so out of a feeling of distaste for such beggars and such people because it is designed to our refine, to refine our character to refine our being to refine our soul you know the effect of a mitzvah it's to spiritually refine yourself and to spiritually attune yourself to be an even better person. You know, the real effect of a mitzvah is to work on your traits, to work on yourselves, to be a shining example of a good person. The effect of a mitzvah is also so you have a good continued existence, a justified existence from Hashem, And Mev, and Hashem. look how many mitzvahs I try to do every day. Another effect of the mitzvah is to help the world around us, to make the world better. And another effect of the mitzvah is that it's a mitzvah guerrerous mitzvah to allow us and want us and push us to do more mitzvahs and more mitzvahs to make the world better, make ourselves better, and make the whole life of those around us even better, refining ourselves and those around us. H.com points out that the Mishnah refers to great Torah scholars as builders. Why are they called builders? Shouldn't they be called something else? Just call them sages. Why builders? The Talmud points out in Shabbos 1.14a that this is because Torah scholars are involved in the building of the world. Rav Yeruchim Levavus explains that every mitzvah is a separate building block in perfecting the world, in constructing the unique masterpiece that is our lives, each action towards the fulfillment of a mitzvah is another brick in the edifice which is made up of all these good deeds created both in this world and the next world through mitzvahs we are able to build an edifice of spirituality and morality in the world and an edifice of reward in the next world life is a process of building brick by brick Mitzvah by mitzvah, action by action. It's important to recognize God's hand in nature to appreciate the balance and beauty of the natural world and acknowledge all of the tools and opportunities that God has blessed us with. But the ultimate purpose of life is to use everything that God gave us to serve him. The heart and soul of Judaism is the concept of mitzvah. A mitzvah isn't just a good deed. It's more accurately translated as a commandment. The person of, the purpose of life as a Jew is to follow the will of Hashem through the mitzvahs to serve Him with everything that we have. Everything you have, you should be serving Hashem. Every aspect you have, every talent you have, every item you have to, should be used to serve Hashem in, in a Torah and a mitzvahs way. Of course, there are many blessings that come from a life dedicated to serving God, hope and faith, peace and tranquility, person, a sense of personal and spiritual fulfillment, but these are simply the natural byproducts. Judaism's focus is on the service itself, service for its own sake. Rabbi Hirsch says, our central mission in life is to build the world in its entirety as an altar to serve Hashem to dedicate our existence to the one who created us. While we are alive on this earth, our lives are a work in progress. We're in the world to toil. Man l'amal Man was made to toil. Man was made to work, to accumulate as many missiles as possible, to build brick by brick a beautiful edifice bearing testament to a productive, fulfilling, and meaningful life. Only when we leave this world is our task complete represented by the complete fully formed slab of stone that is our tombstone after 120 years which shall be zoha 120 years the mishnah in perkebo says a single moment of repentance and good deeds in this world is greater than all of the world to come and a single moment of bliss in the world to come is greater than all of this world. This world is a world of doing, the world of the Mizbeach. We need to use our time on this earth to build, to accumulate as many mitzvahs as possible because they are what we will take with us when we leave it. In the next world, the world of the Matseva there is no doing, no building, only being. You work in this world and you could benefit from the work you did in this world in the next world. Indeed, the reward and tranquility of the spirit can only be fully realized in the next world. This world is filled with the turbulence of doing and creating and fulfilling mitzvah. The next is the world of rest and receiving reward. This is the world of the mizbeach, of the altar, of building brick by brick. The next is the world of the matzeva, the completed work. So make sure in this world you accumulate as many mitzvahs as you can. You accumulate as many good deeds as you can because in the next world you can't. You only have 120 years of blip in the history of time and the history of the future of time to create your brick, brick by brick. So every mitzvah, every effect of every mitzvah, every single day can give you that brick, can give you that purpose, can give you that fulfillment, can give you that spiritual refinement in your life and in the lives of those around you. Interestingly, Ace points out, regarding Pesach, as we just finished Pesach from Rabbi Feldman. Matzah is the food that represents all qualities of not sitting back, allowing things to run their natural course. It is a symbol of performing tasks with zeal and focus when they need to be done and not a moment later. This characteristic known as resus, alacrity, we had a whole shear about that, is one of the key ingredients in living a spiritual life. Perhaps this is what the sages mean when they made a famous play on words, and this is what we referenced earlier and hinted to earlier. The Torah says, Ushmartim Es Hamatzos. Guard carefully the Matzos. This comes from Shemos Yudbet Yudzayim. Ushmartim Es Hamatzos. Guard carefully the Matzos. There are no Nekudos in the Torah. So, the sages say, since Matzos and Mitzvos in Hebrew have the identical same spelling, don't read this as guard the Matzos. Instead, read this as guard carefully the Mitzvos. Matzos, Mitzvos spelled the same way. Don't read it as guard the matzos, but guard carefully the mitzvos. The Torah is telling us in an oblique way that we should keep the mitzvos in the same way that we keep the matzos, with diligence, attention, and concentration. Just as you do not permit the matzot to become fermented or leavened by delaying what you must do with it, do not allow any mitzvah that comes before you to become sour and fermented and hametz through delay and procrastination. Don't Lose the mitzvah to Chametz. Don't lose out on the mitzvah. Don't let it become Chametz. Al Tachametz. Refrain from letting it be lost or gone. As the sages say, a mitzvah balayadong, don't let it become Chametz. A mitzvah that comes your way, do not let it become Chametz from the Chilta Shemos in 12. Do not let it leaven. Do not tarry until it becomes Chametz. Karpedim, seize the day. Don't procrastinate. Grab it right away. Zrizim Machdim al the zealous rise to do it early, to get it right away. Rather, perform it immediately. You have the opportunity to, to give tzdukkah? Do it right now. You're interested in studying Torah? Do it right now. You wish to place a mezuzah on your door? Don't delay. Do it now. Passover, then, Pesach, which we just had, is the activist festival. Think about anyone getting their home ready for Pesach. The Matzah represents many things more than anything else. It represents diligence and zeal in servicing Hashem. Matzah carries also a significant lesson. It's unadorned, unpretentious, and unadulterated, seeing how we should be doing a mitzvah as well, in a way that is unpretentious, unadulterated, and not puffed up with self-regard, exactly like Matzah, not looking for the ego, not looking for the honor. The matzah mitzvah connection teaches something else as well. We are bidden not just to possess matzah, but to eat it. Just as we ingest the matzah, making it part of our system, so too we must internalize the mitzvahs that we perform, making them an integral part of us. Observing Shabbos is not merely to abstain from created activity, it's to make Shabbos part of ourselves, to realize there is a creator of the universe who resides above us. More than the Jews kept Shabbos, Shabbos kept the Jews is the famous phrase of, of the past years. Wearing tefillin is not simply to place small black boxes on our arm and forehead. It is to internalize what those black boxes contain the oneness of Hashem, the requirement to serve Him with all that we are and all that we possess. As we perform the mitzvah and as we did the matzvah, as we think about absorbing the messages, the greater zeal and diligence in what we do, a deepened awareness of the significance of time, a heightened connection with God and man through a more genuine and simplicity and less pretentiousness and puffery, think about ushmartem es hamitzvos. Shmartem es hamatzos, but shmartem es hamitzvos. Don't let them become leaven. Don't let them become lost. Don't let them become taken away from us or lost away from us. Don't let them become hametz or leaven or don't let them slip away from our hands. Benyelman first points out on aish. when we investigate the reason behind any of the Jewish laws, it is not to explain the mitzvah but to discover what we may draw from it. The understanding of the rationale of the mitzvah elevates its performance from a mere physical act to an act that makes it a spiritually significant impact on our lives. The Rambam teaches, If one experiences a spiritual awakening, he must concretize it if it is to have any permanence. It's insufficient to be a good Jew in a heart or mind. Torah is a Torah of life, and all of its exalted ideas must find active expression and actualization in daily life. The obligation to keep the Jewish laws is therefore independent of any understanding of them. One who performs a mitzvah without any thought of its meaning has nevertheless fulfilled his obligation, albeit in a diminished form, while one who contemplates and internalizes but ignores the mitzvah act has in no way discharged its responsibility, or remains liable for omission and its accompanying penalty. The mitzvah of Naasa Nishma, the principle of Nishma, fulfilling and understanding the Jewish laws does not only mean that we accept the Torah without preconditions, but also that the hearing and understanding of the mitzvahs follow and is secondary to the actual fulfillment. Internalizing the mitzvah is only meaningful when coupled with the performance of the mitzvah. The minimal purpose and goal of mitzvahs is more than sufficiently provided by the mere physical act of mitzvah fulfillment, which is in itself a show of substance to Hashem. Doing a mitzvah even without knowing its meaning provides us with our basic spiritual sustenance requirements, the sense of excitement intellectual identification and emotional attachment that should be part and parcel of doing a mitzvah is extremely difficult to achieve without knowing its reason it is for this reason that the hebrew word ta'am has a dual meaning taste and reason the reason makes the mitzvah appetizing and tasty to the heart and mind so that not only the body but the totality of the jew body mind soul and emotions serve god so when you think about a mitzvah you think about different mitzvahs. think about how it can help you how it can help the world what purpose it serves what aspect it can have in the world. The mitzvah of Shilu we talked about, it. of Aim, the mitzvah of not hurting others, of giving to others, of not putting a stumbling block in people's ways. If we think about the tom, the taste, it could have more meaning to us, it could have more attachment to us, and it could be even more endearing to us if we think about why it could come about in our lives. Rabbi Niven points out on H.com, do you ever get the feeling of being overwhelmed by so many mitzvahs and feeling that you're not really doing any of them with excellence? The 613 mitzvahs can seem like a vast and endless ocean. We may not even understand how they bring us closer to Hashem and to greater understanding of life. So Rambam points out, and we hinted to this earlier, that the reason Hashem gave us 613 mitzvahs is that it gives us better odds Over the course of a lifetime to at least perform one mitzvah to perfection this year try taking one mitzvah that you do frequently and become an expert in it choose a mitzvah you've always wanted to know and perform well this might be saying the shema affixing a mezuzah giving tzedakah observing shabbos honoring your parents or keeping kosher or any mitzvah on the earth Study the mitzvah on a very deep level. Look up the verse, the pasik associated with that mitzvah in the Torah. Research what the commentaries have to say about the meaning behind the mitzvah. Find out how the mitzvah gives you insight into life and brings you closer to Hashem. Study all the philosophical and practical details from many different angles. Ask questions of your local rabbi or at Jewish websites. And just when you think you've gone as deep as you can, go a little deeper. Next, begin to apply what you've learned. Focus on performing the mitzvah properly. Make practical, realistic goals for improving your observance. For example, if you're working on saying the Shema, strive to say the first line with concentration and understanding. Then increase your goal one sentence at a time. Check yourself daily and chart your progress. When you've successfully achieved an incremental step toward your goal, take a moment to reflect on the power and pleasure of mastering the mitzvah. If you've enjoyed this Just imagine the pleasure available in the other 612 mitzvahs. Finally, take a moment to reflect on the goodness of God who gave you this mitzvah in the first place. Feel gratitude to Hashem. Torah is a treasured gift, a sign of Hashem's total love for us. Feel the beauty and genius of Torah as a tool to help you grow and achieve your potential. May we all merit this year to master that one mitzvah and take it one mitzvah at a time, one mitzvah at a time. Chabad.org points out on the most elementary level we achieve connection with Hashem through our observance of the mitzvahs, the divine commandments. The mitzvahs embody the will of Hashem. By observing the mitzvahs and making their fulfillment the substance and aim of our lives, our souls and bodies become vehicles of the divine will. When we are involved in and involve ourselves in doing Hashem's will in the proper way, doing mitzvahs in the right frame of mind, and with the right intentions, we can get even closer to Hashem with each mitzvah that we do. Rebison Torsky points out on H.com, any mitzvah we do, regardless of what we are not yet doing, changes us and changes the world around us. The person I am before the mitzvah, the person I am after having done the mitzvah, I've invited the Almighty into my life by doing the mitzvah, is totally different. The prism through which I see life, given the change in my inner world, is commensurately modified and altered. And concurrently, I've introduced positive godly energy into the cosmos of the world outside of me. Positive deeds enhance the world I occupy. Misdeeds, flouting the will of the Almighty, in contrast, introduce negative compromising energy both into my inner person and the external world that I inhabit. The nature of growth. Generally, and spiritual growth specifically, is that it is achieved in small increments. We take on a mitzvah, like one of eating kosher, we integrate it into our lives. This mitzvah will speak to us, it will connect us to Jews everywhere in the world, to Jews across time and across generations, to a tradition of almost 4,000 years. By virtue of the nascent connection and enhanced perspective, we may perhaps be inspired to acquaint ourselves with additional dimensions of the rich practices of our tradition. And Neil Armstrong, will put it well, one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Similarly, there are no small steps in spiritual because inevitably they mark the beginning of a journey. So think about each mitzvah. Think about what we can do day by day. Every deed, every mitzvah, every good thing we do introduces positivity and leads us to another mitzvah. And that is the effect on our lives and the lives of those around us. Lastly, we think about two stories pointed out from the Son Saffron on H.com. Smash! Mike watched in dismay as his flashlight slipped out of his hands and smashed into pieces on the floor. Oh no, he shouted. What am I going to do now without a flashlight for the overnight camping trip? I'm going to be wandering around in the dark like a blind bat. Suddenly, he got an idea. He wandered over to the cubby of his bunkmate, Joey, who was also packing for the same trip. He thought he'd noticed the kid had an extra flashlight. Maybe he'd let him borrow it. Hey, Joey, said Mike casually, as he wandered over to the next kid's cot, where his knapsack happened to be sitting, packing up for the trip. Yeah, isn't that what you should be doing, too? You got all your gear ready? Uh well, most of my gear anyway. My flashlight broke. Mike waited to see if Joey would offer his spare. "'Wow, that's bad news. I guess you're going to have to skip the trip "'unless you can figure out how to get into town "'and buy a new one in the next hour before we leave.'" Mike jostled Joey's knapsack, and some of the stuff spilled out on the bed. "'Oh, sorry about that. Hey, what's this?' said Mike. "'I see you have two flashlights. Maybe you can loan me one. "'I'll take good care of it. I'll even put in brand-new batteries for you.'" "'No way. That's my backup. I've been waiting all summer for this trip. "'I'm not about to find myself stuck in the woods without a flashlight. "'If something happens to the first one, no, sir.'" Hey, Joey, come on, be a good guy. You want me to end up having to stay back here with all the little kids? There's no way I could get to town, and you know the counselor. He won't let anyone go, oh, doesn't have a flashlight. Joey looked at the kid's sad, desperate eyes. He knew it was good to lend things. He was grateful he had two, but what if? No, he had to help the kid out. Okay, Mike, I guess you can use it, but be more careful with it than you were with all of your own stuff, okay? You bet, thanks. That evening. Great trip so far, huh, Mike? The best. Wow, it gets dark fast up here. Let me get my flashlight out of my... Oh, no, it's not turning on. What happened? Joey slapped his forehead. I took out the old batteries and was going to put new ones in, and then I forgot. I knew something like this would happen. Why did I grieve? To give my spare one to you. What am I going to do? He wailed. Mike looked at him with a smile and said, You're going to take these batteries I have in my pocket and put them in your flashlight. That's what you're going to do? What do you mean? I told you I was going to put fresh batteries in your flashlight so i brought them along so i wouldn't forget i wanted them to be completely new for you here you go bro see you never lose out when you do a favor for someone nice and bright for you now joey was speechless he wondered what he would have done if he hadn't agreed to loan mike his flashlight now they both had plenty of light both in their flashlights and in their hearts sometimes all you need to do Is pack that extra flashlight for someone else. Sometimes all you need to do is be involved in that one mitzvah in your life. It'll shine a little light in your life and in the life of those around you. Having that one mitzvah, the effect of that mitzvah can really shine light in your life and in the lives of those around you. And here's a second story to finish up from Nassano on ish.com. Josh, could you please bring the breakfast tray up to Grandma's room? Mom, do I have to, grunted the boy. I'm just on my way out to play ball with the boys. It'll only take a minute, Josh. Oh, all right. You know Grandma's so lucky to have people doing things for her all the time, he said. You are much luckier since you can do things for other people, his mother said as she handed him the tray. Josh disagreed. He didn't like helping around the house, ever. And ever since his elderly grandmother had moved into their house, it seemed like his parents always needed something or other to be done for her. And he always seemed to be the one who had to do it. Usually he tried to duck out of the house before he'd have to bring her breakfast, but today he wasn't fast enough. Josh, grumbling under his breath, quickly finished his task and ran out to play basketball with his friends. He was having a good game. That is, until he jumped up and came down hard and hurt his ankle. (laughs) His dad took him to the clinic for x-rays. Fortunately, it wasn't broken, but the doctor said he'd have to stay in bed for a week and keep his leg elevated. Josh wasn't happy that he hurt his leg, but he was very happy when he realized that for the next seven days, not only wouldn't he have to do anything to help others, but people would actually be doing things for him all week instead. Instead, indeed, Josh felt like a king in the throne as his dad pushed him in a special wheelchair they borrowed out their driveway into the house and straight into his soft, comfy bed. "'Would you like a drink?' asked his concerned mom. "'Yeah, with lots of ice, please,' Josh replied. "'Yup, this is gonna be great,' he thought to himself. After a little while, he remembered the great new triple-length comic book he had tucked away in his desk drawer that would be just perfect for this occasion. He was about to jump out of bed to get it when it dawned on him that with his leg wrapped up like a mummy and hoisted up in the air, he wasn't going anywhere. "'Hey, Mom!' he called out in a loud voice. A minute later, his big sister Amy came in. "'What can I do for the patient?' she asked cheerfully. "'Where's Mom?' She had to run out for a while so she could put me in charge. What do you need? Josh hesitated. If he had one ironclad rule, it was that his sisters weren't allowed to go into his desk ever. But there was no way he could get it himself. Um, I need my comic book, he muttered. No problem, where is it? Amy asked. Josh told her and and tried not to pay attention to the big grin on her face as she went into a strictly forbidden zone at his invitation, no less. Maybe this being waited on wasn't quite all it was cracked up to be. That evening, his mom brought him his supper and the same kind of tray he was usually stuck bringing up to Grandma. It was lasagna, not one of his favorite dinners. Usually, he'd just skip it and raid the fridge later on while no one was looking, but now he's stuck in bed, he decided he'd better just eat it. As the days passed, Josh began to enjoy all the help less and less. He didn't like the way his sisters kept coming in and out of his room as if they owned the place. But what could he do? He he needed their help to bring him things, and it hurt even more when he overheard them complain to each other about having to help him, the way he would complain when his parents would ask him to do things for Grandma. Had she overheard him, too? The worst thing was how he had to ask for help, even when he needed to use the shower or the restroom. It made him feel like a total baby. Soon enough, Josh was bored, embarrassed, and counting the minutes until he would be back on his own two feet. The day finally came, and the morning after he got his cast off, Josh Josh was up bright and early. Mom? Yes, Josh? Maybe grandma needs someone to serve her breakfast, he asked. His mom couldn't believe what she was hearing. Josh, it's really nice of you, but I was going, wasn't going to ask, are you sure your leg's okay? Also, I know it's not easy for you to help grandma. The boy shook his head and smiled. Not anymore. Mom, you were right. After having to depend on people's help all week, I realized how lucky I really am to be able to do things for people and not always have them do things for me. Sometimes it takes a little perspective to realize what we can do in this life and what we need to do in this life. Sometimes we need to remember and think what the mitzvah's effect could be on us. One mitzvah, mitzvah, gererist mitzvah, one mitzvah at a time, could change us, can change the world around us, can help us, can help the world around us. It refines us. It fine-tunes us, gives us a continued existence for being and, un- and makes us realize what we're here to do to make ourselves better people every single day. If we can internalize these lessons, internalize the fact of the mitzvahs, what a mitzvah can do, how it can affect us, hopefully the world can be so much better and we can finally be zolcha to merit Mashiach and the third base of Midrash may speedily come in our days and may that day in fact be today. This has been the TTL, Tani Talks Live, where we talk about a topic per session with some practical lessons and I'm your host, Tani.